I showed up at the 49th Street Annex, prepared to take a verbal beating from Klein and the rest of the weekday obsessives. They go after relapses like dogs on dead pheasant. Normally, after I screwed up, it'd take the group a few sessions to figure it out. But this time, I couldn't hide what I'd done. There was no way. The thick pads of white gauze and bandages started just beneath my elbows and grew to ridiculous cartoonish mitts where my fists should be. A couple of conversation pieces, if there ever was. You get into a fight or something, Jer? Klein's pipe reeked of seaweed. The smoke wrapped around his face like an Eskimo's furry hood. Nope. I nodded to Fatty, who, oddly enough, wasn't a member for his clear problem with food, but because he couldn't stop counting. He'd count everything, and probably knew how many floorboards were beneath the circle of chairs, definitely how many Oreos were left in their little plastic cells. He shook an extra cigarette from his pack and stuck it between my teeth. Lit it. Thanks, man, I said. So you gonna tell us what happened or what? Fatty leaned back in his creaking metal chair, his fleshy palpate drifting out from under his shirt and over the front of the seat like an apron. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, Jer, Klein grinned. What he said. I took a drag, let the cigarette dangle from my lip, and started. Remember Beverly? Three months ago, Al Grable, my self-proclaimed P.O. with a P.A., which is not short for personal assistant in this case, referred me to this lousy twelve-step group as a part of his release-maintenance plan. By referred, I mean he threatened me with a revocation if I didn't show up and stare down Klein and his neuters daily. With no intention of going back to the can simply because Al got a bug up his ass, I went. A week after I started, I had a little relapse that came with a warning from my pierced friend. A month after that, she showed up. She sat in the shadows at first, a single leg, green as the sea, jutting into the cone of light framing the group in the smoky auditorium. Her high-heeled mule balanced on the pad of her foot like a worm on a hook. She was silent the first two days. Then, on the third, just as Klein got in gear haranguing me about making a habit of sabotaging my recovery, a habit like it's a new addiction, trading up, I'm sure he thought. She leaned forward, dark hair falling off her shoulders in waves. I'm Beverly. Her voice was crushed velvet, falling off her tongue and up my arms, the lightest fingertips. Goose flesh rose. Something else, too, but you don't need to know that. Everyone knew what she was the moment she left the shadows. The tint of her leg could be explained away as a trick of the light, but the neck scars where her gills used to be stood out like, well, gills. She was a beneath her. Though they'd started going by neath her, and that doesn't much matter because she was beautiful. But I'll tell you anyway. The Neathers rose from the trenches and faults under our oceans nearly ten years ago now, showed up on the shores of just about everywhere, a thousand deep and with just as many problems. 
They used to look more fish-like than they do, as though they're mimicking us the longer they're above water. I suppose that's exactly what they're doing. I can't blame them. Who doesn't want to fit in? It took them a couple of years to develop an audible language, but after they did, you couldn't shut them up. Not that you could tell it from how quiet Beverly kept. I never imagined the aliens would show up any other way than in big metal saucers or some shit. The fact that they were here all along and just too deep under the water for us to realize was creepy as hell, and not just to me. A moment after she introduced herself was the last time we saw Chet the paper eater. I'm not sharing secrets with no squid, he said, and stomped out of the room. Klein started to protest, but then must have thought better and just waved as Chet slammed the auditorium door behind him.